We'll see the rest of that verse towards the end of the sermon. Zechariah 9.10, the author basically says, your king's going to come and our tanks will become, here's the paraphrase, instruments we'll use on a farm to give food to people. And as you've known, if you're a study of history, and as you've known, if you've been on social media or the internet or CNN or Fox or any of them, the last week, that is a message needed more than ever. Amen? Um, I was growing up in a Western, Baptist, Caucasian church, which had a very different view of what I think the Bible says about the end times, right? It was the left behind generation. And I was actually, as a young man, saying, there's going to be wars and bloodshed until Jesus comes back, and then he's going to kill 200 million people. So what's the difference? But as we study the scriptures, especially as we see the account of Palm Sunday, Jesus, God himself, has reoriented my whole framework of what this world should be. Violence can end. Radical Christians, radical Muslims, Hindus don't really get radical, but all the radicals out there, violence can end. And we have to believe that because that's what Jesus proclaimed fulfilling the prophecy. I am coming humble and meek on a donkey to say God is done with violence. The last violent transaction in which God was like, I'm good, was the cross. Because that was the way now we as humans can look to the crucified Savior and say, love is here. I'm going to give up my violence. And as Christians, as we were raised, as I was raised, not anyone's fault, just America and the culture and the Christian church back then, oh, is this the war to end all wars? Enough with that. Because that really shapes us. You want to be bold? I think I'm going to preach a a series in Revelation coming up in the next year. Everyone's like, oh, but hold on. I'm going to preach it, I hope, from a cruciform love point of view. Not a left-behind point of view. Let's hope a war comes so Jesus can kill the rest of the people who didn't make it alive. I don't see that in the scriptures. I see it differently. So I'm praying and studying because that's a big task, right? Revelation? I used to say I'll never preach Revelation. I'm 40, almost 42, so I guess I can kind of come close to it now. I'm halfway done with this life. But Palm Sunday is a beautiful day to remember. That, I'm just preaching now. I don't even have any notes. But just on my heart when I see around the world. When I see 40 Christians being killed on Palm Sunday, when I see Christians doing all name of mayhem in the name of Jesus with violence and hatred, I go, Lord, what's going on? And we must look at Palm Sunday from a Christocentric view, and hopefully we'll get there as the sermon goes on and go, oh yeah, God was doing something totally different. Quickly, let's go to Luke 19 so we see the scene. It's Passover, A.D. 30, give and a take around. We don't know exactly what year. It's Passover, it's spring. Jerusalem is swarming. There's, in, there's, there's between 500,000 and 1 million people in the capital city, the Jewish capital, you know, Rome, I get it, but Roman occupation, their city, their Mecca, around the temple. Passover is coming. They're going to celebrate what God had done so many years before in delivering them from who? Pharaoh. And if you haven't really read history, the Jewish folks are occupied by Rome, and the Roman occupation, you know what the Pax Romana was about? Nancy, get along or go away. And it wasn't go away to Brisbane, it was go away to the grave. 
That was the peace by Rome. Peace by what? Force. Larry, you get out of line, you're not going to be out of line anymore. And then, Larry, we're going to hang you on the side of the road for two weeks so people can go, you see what Larry did? Let's not be like Larry. So that's how Rome ruled. That's how there was peace in the world, per se. So whenever there was a big festival, history tells us, Josephus and other accounts, even the Bible say, the Roman military was on high alert. Why? Because if there was 500,000 to a million people in and around Jerusalem, what needed to happen for a riot to ensue? Not much. Boom. So the Roman military's on high alert. We know from history that there have been revolutions, revolts. Rome would squash those. We know from history that Barabbas, a freedom fighter, is in jail waiting his release in four days. Remember I told you about Barabbas last Easter? He wasn't just a murderer. He was a freedom fighter. He was a messianic figure, someone who would crush Rome and bring the Jewish people back to power. So that's the scene. Luke 19, here we go. Let's start in verse 28. And when he said these things, he went, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Verse 29, when he, Jesus, drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. Verse 31. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say, the Lord has need of it. So they do it. Verse 32. So those who were sent went away and found just as he had told them. Verse 33. And as they were untying it, its owner said, why are you stealing my donkey? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Verse 35. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on a colt, they set Jesus on it. Verse 36, and as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples, not just 12, many people began saying, rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the almighty works they have seen, saying, verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord by the way, who was the Lord at the time? Anybody remember? The emperor. Okay. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's 38. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse 39. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent the very stones would cry out. So that's the situation as Jesus is riding towards Jerusalem. He's coming down from a road from the Mount of Olives. He's riding on a small donkey. As we learned last Palm Sunday in Easter season, he was probably dragging his feet on the ground looking foolish. We'll see this in a sec. And his people, his disciples and others, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He is not blessed coming in the name of Rome. He is not blessed coming in the name of Caesar. He is not blessed coming in the name of the Pilate. He is blessed. We are looking to the Lord for deliverance. The king of the Jews riding down to his city. How many world travelers? How many travelers? How many of you guys been to the East Coast? Old USA, right? How many of you guys been to Europe? Anybody been to Russia? I've been to Russia. Awesome. 
Been to the Philippines? Anybody been to China? A little different there with their, the way they remember things. But if you go to the East Coast, even if you go up to some of our cities here on the West Coast, I said it last year, I said a man on a horse, but if you go to the town square, you always find some dude on a horse, right? Remember that? Every time. He's never passing out food either. He's never washing people's feet. What is he always doing? I got a picture of someone in a minute. This is actually in America. This is in El Paso. Look at that. That's a horse right there. We got the conquistador. I'll tell you about him in a sec. We got the horse. We got the sword. And we have what? What does that tell you? I know it's a little blurry. Hang with me. Authority is here, right? This is a statue, a picture in a square. His name is, I might butcher it, don't. Juan de Onate Salazar, 1550 to 1626. He founded some settlements in the southwest of our country, Texas and other places. And one of the reasons he was remembered is he took a stronghold, killing between 800 and 1,000, I think it's Okoma people. He took another 500 people and they were indentured servants until they died. That's who he is. That's his legacy. We might have one more picture of him. I don't know, do we have it or is it too blurry, guys? So there's two statues of this guy in two different cities. So he was a big deal. That's an awesome horse, right? He's got, his, he's got his thing going on. I didn't notice this the first time. The Spurs? Not the San Antonio Spurs. They're in trouble. Warriors are coming. We know that, right? Right, Josh? Warriors are coming. Hopefully the Warriors are humble and meek when they win, right? Josh says amen. Another picture I have is Nicholas I. He's Russian. This is in and around St. Petersburg. There are other statues there, but this is a statue, right? Like if you had to be remembered, that wouldn't be bad, right, Dave Bray? That would remember. That wouldn't be bad, right? Dave's like, all right, we'll put one out there in the courtyard one day, right? <laughs> That's not a bad picture. That looks royal and prestigious and homage. He had an interesting rise to power, Nicholas I. His brother apparently got sick and had to bow out. He came to power, and many people didn't like that. And some of you might know there was a famous revolt in and around those times. This is in the 1800s. The Decemberist revolt ensued, but that was squashed. He was a micromanager, per se. He was decent with economic stuff, but Russia's empire was kind of all over the place, and he micromanaged and his big downfall was the Crimean War, per the, the stuff that I studied. And there were disastrous results, and he soon left power. But people in bloodshed were a part of this regime as well. I am not picking on Mr. Onante or Mr. Nicholas. I am just showing us the human race. This is what we do. This is what we remember. This is how we are remembered. Men on horses... Ladies, I hear you. Not many ladies on horses around the world, right? It might look different. Back to Luke 19 and verse 30. Notice what Luke says. Jesus says this, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on, on which no one has ever sat. No one sat there yet. Most of us take that as 
a young donkey, yeah, a real small one. But let's remember that as we go through the rest of our sermon. Back to the spring of A.D. 30, there and abouts. Again, Jerusalem is bustling. It's Holy Week. Passover is in the air. There is an excitement and anticipation. But from the Roman perspective, let's just get this over with without any revolt. Politics, right? Let's just have these people come in, worship their God, and go home. We know this because who was already there? Pilate, the governor. The governor, history tells us, wouldn't have shown up unless there was at least a hint of something might happen here. There was rumors of Messiah's coming, but remember the attitude of the people. What kind of Messiah were they looking for? Who has the overthrow Rome sign? We gave it out. Look at your signs. Who has overthrow Rome? There it is. Everyone look at that sign. Largely, that's the Messiah people were looking for, right? There's rumors. Could it be him? Could it be him? Rumors, tradition, history tells us every Jewish mother who had a boy was like, this might be our deliverer. Let me see it again, Kim, though. This was the deliverance most of them wanted. Get Rome out of here. This is our land. God promised this to our father. Abram, who became Abraham. This is our land. What are these tyrants doing here? And so on the Mount of Olives, way far off, maybe, let's go back in time. Anybody want to go time travel? Let me see your hands. I know Timmy's a Doctor Who fan, so what's it called? TARDIS? I grew up with Back to the Future, so I need a DeLorean, right? <laughs> That's what I grew up with. Who, who's the younger? Harry Potter? Do they, do they travel? How about, uh, they, okay, they do. We'll go, whatever we got to do, let's go back and let's be there. And we're nearing around the city, and Holy Week is bustling, and people are doing their things, and lots of pilgrims have come to worship. And all of a sudden, I don't know, half a mile off near the Mount of Olivet and Mount of Olives and different roads, we see a crowd, maybe bigger than ours, and here go, Hosanna, here he comes. This is my king. And actually, in time traveling, we brought our iPhones, so we, ha we have a conversation that's going to happen between a Roman soldier and a captain of the Roman army. And let's see. Do we have that first picture? It's hard to read. It says, Captain, that's who we're talking to. And the Roman soldier says, Excuse me, sir. Sorry to bother you. That's what you do if you have a captain, right? Excuse me, sir. Sorry to bother you. What did the captain reply back? What is it? I'm busy, obviously, right? How many of you had a boss like that? How many of you are a boss like that? Let's talk about that later after church. Okay. Next, next message. We may have a situation brewing at the base of the Mount of Olives. Code language, what would the captain automatically know? Would he say like, is it Coke or Pepsi happening at the Mount of Olives? Is it lamb or beef? Is it Niners or Seahawks? We know how that goes nowadays. There's hope. Is it Giants or Dodgers? Next message. What is happening? Go ahead. That's what we see. If you can't read it, we are not sure, but we hear a crowd shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They are also saying, here comes our king. Now, the Romans believed largely that the Jewish religion was a bunch of hocus-pocus. 
as many non-believers believe about Christians today, so be it. So, when the captain of the police force or army heard this, he wouldn't have said, let me get back to Candy Crush. He would have done this. Go ahead. I understand resources are on the way. That's the scene. We got to go to the story. If we just read it and it's another Palm Sunday, we see nothing of God here. This is the scene. Uh-oh, we have trouble coming. Let me call for backup. When I used to work as a paramedic, there was a button on our radio. If we hit the button, it was a panic button. If we answered anything but we are code for, they would send the cavalry. You see why we would do that? If I hit the button because there was a gun pulled on me and radio said, hey, unit 268, are you okay? I'm fine. Cavalry's still coming. Everything's okay. Cavalry's coming. And I mean cavalry, AR-15s and everyone coming, right? Because it was a dire situation. So if people are gathering at the base of the Mount of Olives and they see a procession of people and they hear, our king is coming, Messiah now, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the Roman leaders might go, button. Romans had big horses. The Hebrew people were told early on not to deal with horses. They went with horses because they wanted to be like everyone else, just like a king and all that fun stuff. But the Roman guard would have looked a lot like those statues, right? So they continue to watch. Next text goes like this. One more, sorry, I might have, uh, sir, no, stay there. Sir, never mind, it's only a peasant man on a small donkey. Ha, 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 ha. We are all good here. You know what they just did? We're code four. We've seen the threat. It's a six foot man dragging his feet on a young donkey. Go back to playing Candy Crush, Captain. And what is the captain's response? Copy, LOL, emojis. That's what they did back then, right? That's what we do, okay? That's our conversation. That's what we have to see, otherwise we miss the story of God. We have to see it this way, or we think, let's blow everyone up because God's on our side and God is just like us. When God actually says, I'm really nothing like any of y'all, but I came to die so I could make you into my image. And I'm done with violence. So all that to say a cute text message, that's the scene that is happening. That's how we time travel back into the scriptures and see more than just the words, but we see the context. Say we're still back there. And say we befriend one young Roman soldier. His name could be Alexander, Claudius, some others. But say we just say, hey, hey, bud, I'm from 2017, and I know you're laughing right now, but what you're witnessing is going to be the greatest story of all time. What would the young Roman soldier do? LOL. Or they would go, uh, can we get the uh, psych unit here? Because we need to help this person who thinks this is the greatest story ever to be told. It's starting now. Did you see who you said is great? 
Alexander was great. Our Alexander, the Roman soldier, would say, 300 years ago, he owned half the world. And we would say, well, that man who's riding on that donkey is the king of Alexander. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And he is showing us by his entrance who God is. We often don't see that in the scriptures. We took our junior hires to Yosemite last week. Thanks for stepping in, Dave and others. It, I've been to Yosemite 20 times. It was a top five day, top 1%. It was 71 degrees, and you could hear the waterfalls from way off. We had to do a detour thanks to all of our rain. Who's still praying to end the drought? Pastor gives you permission to say, we're good for this year, okay? Right? Because of the detour. Mikey, detour? Oh, man. <laughs> driving like this. Anyway, very safe. We were safe, all you parents. So we take our junior hires to Yosemite, and one of the reasons we go away with our young people is we, as a leadership team, 787, our youth group, we want to tell them what God is like. That's the greatest question. Two questions in the history of the world. Is there a God, and what is he like? I know we can say, why am I here? Why do I exist? They all tie in. Is there a God... And if so, what is he like? Does that matter to you? It matters to me. Is there a God? And if so, what is he like? Is he like my view of God sometimes, which is vengeance and wrath? Because I like to get like that sometimes. But my neighbor's a Dodger fan. Hard to love him. Got to. So we take our junior hires away to show them God's beauty. And then on Sunday morning... We simply explain, this is what the scriptures profess God to be like. He is like Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3, we're going to dwell on it a long time because it's changed my life in the last year. Hopefully it's changing your life. I skipped ahead for them, so they'll be there. Hebrews 1.3 says this. I'll actually go Hebrews 1.1. Can you guys go Hebrews 1.1? Let's just read the whole thing. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. We know about that. You can name some prophets, right? We read Zechariah earlier. We'll finish with him. But in these last days, don't think left behind. Think now. Think, think last days is since Jesus came and went, okay? In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And here's the verse that has shattered my world. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. That's huge. Jesus Christ is God fully revealed, not veiled like we see in the Old Testament. Not partially veiled, even we see some of the epistles who write. They all, it's all true. I'm not trying to stumble your faith. But Jesus Christ is who God has revealed himself to be alone. So when we walk through life and when things are done to us, even in the name of God, if it's not done by the word and the portrayal of Jesus in the scriptures say thank you no thank you and walk away from that situation and then go to our God who has revealed himself in Jesus kind and humble coming as a laughing stock to a violent world going violence can be done if you want it anger can be done if you want it wrath can be done if you want it and he over and over again tells us what follow me follow me follow my teaching go and teach Go and baptize, go and preach, go and do and all these things in my example. 
So as we continue to read, oh, Jesus makes purification for our sins. Jesus goes to the cross for us. That's what we're going to celebrate this week. Come to Monday, Thursday. We're going to have dinner. We're going to have a communion service, and we're going to have a candlelight service remembering that last Friday. Come next Easter Sunday, we will celebrate that he is risen. And then as the calendar goes on, we will what? Try and walk in the obedience to our Lord Jesus. And when we stray, when we get off on tangents, when we have questions, is God real? What is he really like? We go back to the centerpiece, the cornerstone of our foundation, Jesus Christ. Why did most people want to kill him by Thursday? Because they saw the next few days where he was accused and beaten and mocked. And he didn't act like Barabbas. What happens if you mock Barabbas? You probably lost your head. And people gravitated towards that. Why? Because they wanted to overthrow the emperor. Jesus kept his mouth quiet and said, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm doing something different. I own this world. And I am, because of crucified love, showing you what God is like. Now, we as his followers, those of us who profess to be his followers, our mandate is to be perfect in mercy and grace as our heavenly father is perfect in mercy and grace. We looked through that last year, Sermon on the Mount. We have a mandate we just don't get to believe and pop into heaven. We believe and trust by faith and receive grace. And then we are to walk in the way of our king. And sometimes we get laughed at. Sometimes LOL is typed about us. And all we do is go, I'm just trying to be like him because he's saved me. And he's changed me. And he's humble. And he's kind. And he's gracious. And he has time for me. Who did Pilate have time for? Not even his wife when she was right. Pilate, bro, don't mess with him. I'm washing my hands of this. Who did the Caesars have time for? They were God. This man comes down the Mount of Olives on a donkey. The political and military threat is soon to be seen as what? No, we're good. We're good. We don't need to... We don't need to arm the masses and defeat this quote-unquote king. And then he would go and minister for a few more days and then go to Calvary for us. We'll try and close with this. Zechariah 9, verse 9, we heard it earlier. Five to seven hundred years before Jesus showed up, God in grace gave these words. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. This is the key. Is he humble and mounted on the donkey, on the colt, on the foal of a donkey? Verse 10. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Growing up, I thought that was a future time and a future dispensation, big word, another time. The more I walk with Jesus and the more I see the Jesus of this Bible, 
That is available to every human being who will believe. God in grace can take our hearts, which were once set on anger and violence and bloodshed, and because of his great love and who he is, change them to be like, I know we're enemies, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to really pray for you. I know you're persecuting me. Maybe in America it looks different than some other places, but I'm going to serve you. Anybody raise kids in the room? How often did your wrath turn the situation for good? Probably kind of once or twice in your hand. Like maybe if someone's about to get hit by a car and you get enraged because they don't listen again and they jump out of the way of a car, that's probably better than getting hit by a car, right? What do we want to do as parents and leaders? We want young kids' hearts and we want the Lord to work in them, right? So I'm not talking about being a doormat all the time. I'm talking about being long-suffering. I'm talking about grace and mercy. I'm talking about the mercy and grace of God is what helps to mold and melt a hard heart. That's what God did to my life 20-plus years ago. Angry, arrogant. She's like, I don't know. I was. Cussing. I got to tell you this. I played a lot of baseball. I was pretty decent. I used to cuss out an umpire at 11 years old. Don't blame her. It was my heart. And over time, God got that heart, just a human heart, my heart, and started to mold it and shape it with his mercy and grace. With this Jesus who said, Dave, I know you're angry. I know you got issues. Come follow me. Come be with me. Let me show you how to be a human being and how to be a worshiper of God. And that's what changed my life. Ultimately, is there a God? Yeah. What is he like? He's revealed himself ultimately to be like Jesus Christ. Yeah, but Dave, he cleared the temple. Yeah, he did. He surely did. He said things like, repent or you too shall perish. Yes, he did. He has those words. But ultimately, coming to fulfill his mission, he came riding a donkey to say what? Violence is needed per se one more time. Me on the cross. After that, God's done with it. Church, let's walk in that light. I know it's hard. I know I haven't experienced what you have, nor have you experienced what I have. But Jesus Christ is alive and well, and he is ready to save, and he is ready to continue to walk on this long journey. If he instructed us to walk an extra mile with our enemies, how far will he walk with us whom he loves and died for? To infinity and what? Beyond. Was that Toy Story? Ooh, got some other people. Okay. Why don't we stand on this Palm Sunday? I'm going to invite some of you who have already expressed interest, but any, uh, anybody else, get your coffee, get your food. In about 15 minutes, we'll head on down to the farmer's market. We're simply going to say, hey, you're invited next week. If you want to do that, there's a little Easter candy in our Easter invitation. If you want to do that, join us. Otherwise, let's pray and ask God to continue to bless us. If you don't want to keep your sign, just leave them on the pews. We'll collect them for a future date. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story, this account, this Palm Sunday many years ago. Thank you that you came and revealed yourself as humble and kind on sitting on a donkey as true king. Thank you that you did not raise arms and try and take the world 
by force, but you in grace went to the cross and took the world by service and love. Father, we as your people this week, give us insight. Give us hearts to want to serve and be salt and light. Give us the ability to communicate the message of Jesus. Give us the reminder from your word and from your son, there is a God and we know what he's like because we've met Jesus. Father, bless us and keep us. May your face shine upon us all of our days. Be gracious to us until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.